I can assure you that God has put a woman in my life that keeps me straight. She does. We watched a movie the other night. Um, it had uh, Jessica Tandy and her husband. Um, Y'all know his name. None of you help me. Hugh Cronin, maybe? It's an older couple. They've been in a lot of movies together. And, and she passed away. Yeah, Hugh Cronin. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say it right? Uh, Hugh Cronin. And, and she passed away. And this white dog shows up. And it was just a wonderful movie. You know, it just uh, makes you appreciate what you got. Yes, it did. Couldn't listen to the TV because, oh, <laughs> that's all I was hearing. But praise God, you've got a tender heart. Because when you don't cry at some movies, you know, you got to think, hey, what's wrong with my heart? I'm, you know, I just don't ever want to watch Old Yeller again, amen? I cried as a boy. I know I cry now. Because I was a mean boy. I was bad. You know, guys, there's, there, there's all this going on around us today. So much stuff. And, and it seems like whenever something happens, it's the beginning of the end. It's now. It's over. It's not. Okay? We haven't gotten there yet. Now, I want to tell you all that, that throughout the Bible, there's many, many terms for the Antichrist. There's the king of Babylon in Isaiah 13. There's uh, Gog, which I'm going to talk about a little bit today in, in Ezekiel 38 and 39. The little horn of, of Daniel in 7 and 8. The prince who is to come in Daniel 9. The king of the north in Daniel 11. The Assyrian, not a Assyrian, the Assyrian in Micah 5. The man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one in 2 Thessalonians 2. The beast of Revelation 13. And in 1 John 2.18, the Antichrist. You see, there's a spirit of Antichrist around us all over this world. Antichrist simply means against Christ. And I can assure you, there are millions and millions and millions of people against Christ. <clears throat> I follow an Assembly of God pastor named Bill Licklider. And Bill has preached eschatology, which is a study of, of the prophecies of the Old Testament and everything. For 46 years, he's preached it. And I, I want to share this, uh, share this with you. He said, I found that the future Antichrist will come from the Syrian division of the old Grecian Empire of Alexander the Great. This means that if using today's map, he will potentially come from these nations, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Turkey, or Pakistan. His religion will be Islam. He will not be an American president. He will not be a Russian premier. He will not be a Chinese president or a pope from Rome. Because the Bible says he will come from one of the areas and Alexander the Great never conquered Russia, China, uh, the the... What's that where the Pope lives? The Vatican or the United States. So no matter what you think, you're probably wrong if those are one of the ones you have thought. And looking, if you look at Daniel 8, 8 verse 9 and Daniel eleven forty, by comparison, that's how we figure Scripture out. You read one and then you look at the other and see where they line up together. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, speak about Russia and, and, and what will happen in the future 
But you know, like I said, as soon as as soon as we hear Russia and war, our minds go into the millennialism. Our minds go into the rapture. Our minds go into Armageddon. There's a rapture index. Did you know that? You can Google it and see what the rapture index is. It, it tracks uh, 45 categories of biblical uh, processes. Right now, the rapture index is at 186. And the highest it's ever been was 188. One of the categories that the rapture index puts weight on is Gog. I think you all know, and I'm going to tell you again if you don't, Gog is mentioned in Ezekiel as the leader of Russia. Magog is the country that Gog leads. It's not two separate people, not two separate countries. One's the leader and one's the country. You know, a, a lot, if you talk to people, and, and I think most of us in here are, are in agreement, we are, we are in the end times. Something is going to happen. Many of us will not see the grave, I believe. But when I talk to people who are, who are what I call mainline denominationals, they kind of roll their eyes at my thoughts of, of what's going to happen, of the rapture, and the prophecies that are going to be fulfilled in end times. I can tell you, they are making an outright mistake by not understanding. In fact, it is in the Bible. And if they believe the Bible is inerrant and, and true and everything else, then if they don't believe that, they are not doing what they confess they believe. If you didn't know it, it's thought that almost half the members of our Congress believe in end time rapture for believers. I thought there was a bunch of moronic idiots, heathens. But then the other half believe in end time rapture. <laughs> Mm. The attack of Ukraine by Russia is not the beginning of the tribulation. It's not Armageddon. And it's not going to lead to it next year. It's just the next step in the fulfilling of the prophecies taken so that we can become the church that goes to heaven. Uh, Pastor Kimberly and I were talking and, and what I was telling her, we are in the pregnancy stages. We're, you know, I've never experienced those pains. But obviously, pregnancy pains and birth pains are different. All you got to be is, is around, and when your wife turns into Satan, her head spins around and she talks, and this boy's right here! You know the birth pains are happening, okay? I know wholeheartedly and believe we are experiencing pregnancy pain. The birth is not right now. We need to have an understanding though. We just, if, simply because it's not right now does not mean that we shouldn't be studying, preparing, and understanding what is about to happen. Many thought that European Union was going to be the ten horns. They're not. They had come to fruition. Many thought Barack Obama was the Antichrist. He's not. Go with me to, uh, I was talking again with Pastor Kimberly this morning just for a couple of minutes. And if you want to pray for me, pray that I truly surrender everything to God. Because I don't know about y'all, but I sort of reach up there and pull a few of those things off the cross that I want to hold on to. And I can't do that anymore.
I've been convicted. And if I harden my heart now, my heart will be hard forever. And I'm not willing to allow that to happen simply because I don't want to. Mean follow God's will. She, she shared with me the biggest thing is, it's not my will. I don't know if any of y'all ever battle that or not, but you know guys, it's not always your will that wins. God's will always wins. Whether you do it or not. Mark chapter 13, verses 33 through 37. Take heed, watch, and pray. For you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each, to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest suddenly, lest coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Watch. There's several passages in Mark that speak of the, uh, uh, the demonstration of the apocalypse. And, and we're told here to watch, to stay alert. What should we be doing? How, how do we stay alert all the time? We should remember we should always be ready to meet the Lord. If you're, you know, the thing, the thing I use for me, and I'm sure you all probably don't need as much as I do, but if I think something or doing something or whatever, I'm thinking, what if I died right now? What if I killed over a heart attack right now? What would be the last thing that God saw me doing? Of course, the other one for me is, what would Granny think? <laughs> and I can tell you, Granny would be mad at some of the stuff I've done over the years. Rightfully so. Be prepared for the day of judgment. What happens to a soul do not ask forgiveness for their iniquities? That's the problem today. Oh, I don't have to repent of anything. I'm not really doing anything bad. It's a compound problem, really. They don't want to repent. They don't want to submit. They don't want to quit. But Jesus died to save us from sin. Such, some church people, denominations, believe that no matter what sins they commit in their lifetime, they will be forgiven when they enter into the throne room. I feel confident some people who have, who have done that and lived that will not ever enter the throne room. Or if they do, it will be for a split second of judgment. Depart from me, I never knew you. So, you know, you, you think, what, what does this have to do with the, with the apocalypse, the end times? How, how am I going to tie it together? Well, the main, the main feature for me to tell you all today is final judgment comes on the day that you go before God, not right now in this war that's going on. There's going to be strife. And, and I can tell you, I, I, God revealed this to me today, I believe, that there are agenda, political agendas that are changing the spiritual world. When you can't meet because COVID, that is a violation of our, of our rights as Americans. You can spread out and sit differently. If you don't want to be here, watch it online. But they have no right to tell me we cannot peacefully assemble for religion. 
If you wonder what's going on with gas right now, there's an agenda. What is the biggest thing that everybody talks about almost all the time? Green earth. So if the gas gets so high that we can't drive anywhere, what are we going to have to do? Either ride our bicycles or buy an electric car. What bothers me is when you charge up your electric car, if you're out in the middle of Woodbury, I'm pretty sure there are no electric stations in Woodbury. I, I don't know, but I might be confused. If you're driving from wherever to wherever and you run out of energy in Woodbury, they're going to have to build a, a charging station powered by a diesel generator. What's wrong with that? We're going to use coal, coal source fuel to power our electric cars. There's an agenda going on. If you, you know, don't lose sight of our prize that we're living for, but look around every time something happens. Now, I'm not talking about left or right. I think both sides have agendas. They're trying to sneak over on us. There's only one agenda that I want to live for, and that's Jesus Christ saves everybody. The idea of the end times is forgiveness of sins on Judgment Day. You probably have heard me talk about that more than you care to think about. Because I can tell you, if you wait until that day that you go before the throne of God and you look to His right hand and you say, truly you are the Son of God, it's too late. It's too late. Depart from me, I never knew you. Many pages in the Gospels deal with, with, with repentance. And, and it's got to be important to God if it's talked about that much in the Bible. Well, I don't like to repent. I like to just ask forgiveness and not change. Oh, well. Pastor Bobby Gorley, we are chapel. I was watching him a little bit this morning. And he said something that, that really hit home with me. He says, do not operate... Operate out of the whole. Basically, it says, Marty paraphrased, you need to operate out of God, not out of your life, out of your satisfaction. People get satisfied and comfortable and don't want to change to be with God. Guys, I, I can't change this to fit today. I'm sorry. There is no uh, fornication and adultery church in the United States. There's no homosexual church in the United States. There's no fat people church in the United States. It's a Christian church. It's a godly church. And if I try to change the Word of God to fit my, my desires, then I am blaspheming God. And I will not do that. I will not say it's okay for me to be morbidly obese when it's not okay. I won't say it's okay for so-and-so to be shacking up with so-and-so when it's not okay. It's the truth, church. It's the truth. Whether we like it or somebody else likes it, it does not matter. God said it, that settles it. Bottom line is, if you have sins that you've never asked forgiveness for, do it right now. Right now. Quit listening to me and say, God, forgive me. You know, there have been past civilizations that, that were, had apocalyptic moments. In, in, in 70 A.D., the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. 
That changed the whole, whole scheme of things for the Jewish people. They could no longer do animal sacrifices at the temple and be forgiven of their sins until next year. Think about that. Everything they did, everything they do, everything they lived for is gone. <laughs> How did the sins can be forgiven? Mm, except Jesus? Oh, in 90 AD, there was a, a rabbinical conference that, that changed the way everything's done so they no longer have to do sacrifices. I heard a pastor one time that's preaching a series that was not going over well with his, with his church. And, and he said, hey, he said, uh, I was praying yesterday, God changed his mind and we're going to do this. Can I tell you, God does not change his mind. God does not change his mind. He might change yours to be with His, but He doesn't change His to be with you. Well, I'm preaching myself right now. See, the Jews are easily, eagerly awaiting the rebuilding of the temple so that they can go back to, to what they had. But it, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. Somebody asked me years ago before I became the pastor here, Said, hey, I heard I hear they're starting Sunday school classes at Cornerstone again. Are you going to teach a Sunday school class? And I said, no. They said, why not? We had a great class. I said, we're trying to go back to something that was, and it will never be the same, no matter where we go. Don't go back. Find the new, and walk in it. See, Christian Jews at that time, the, the Messianic Jewish people, had a problem. They were still going to do, do offerings in the temple when it was destroyed because the, the whole thought of Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice had not really been envisioned. They knew that He died and rose again, but still they had trouble. Well, yeah, I know, but... Somebody was asking me about fasting the other day, and, and I said, you know, the Bible of Matthew says, when you pray, when you give... And when you fast. So if you do the first two, then sometime or another you need to do the third. We think about that. Now really, Christians doing animal sacrifices for forgiveness. My first thought when I, when I was studying for this sermon, that's messed up. What's wrong with them? And then I realized all the doctrines of man that are placed on the churches all over the world today. <laughs> Maybe we're not so smart after all. Maybe I don't need to point that finger at those oh, heathen uh, messianic Jews that, that didn't understand. Maybe there's things that you don't understand or I don't understand. And we need to ask God for the knowledge to give us, give us the knowledge to understand. Our doctrines are either biblically based or they need to be changed. That's simple. <laughs> and apocalyptic moments have happened in, 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 in throughout the years, is what I'm trying to say. Not just the temple, but other times when life was dramatically changed and probably never, never went back to the same. Uh, civilizations and cultures. You know, I'm thinking of the, the island that blew up, I think it's called Krakatoa or something, that destroys so much of, of Italy in that area. In, in the 1900s, people stopped riding horses. 
What about all the guys that made, made money, made their lives raising and selling horses for people to ride on? Uh-oh. Some have worried about modern time apocalypses. I can confirm something you know. Hitler was not the Antichrist. Mussolini was not the Antichrist. They might have been a Antichrist, but the Antichrist is still to come. Churches have reached apocalyptic moments. Churches around America are dying. Ooh, it's kind of rough, Pastor. I know. I know. But what are we going to do to, to keep this church alive? What are we going to do to say, God, here? I didn't talk about it during the, uh, during the seven churches of Revelation. But when a church, when the Spirit of God leaves, it's called an Ichabod spirit. He can always come back. You just got to get that spirit out. Just like the spirit of the Antichrist. If somebody's in a church and they're not all for it, they need to get out. There's Jezebel spirits, Antichrist spirits. There's all kinds of spirits that will affect a church and the people in that church if they come in together with that spirit. The spirit of gossiping has destroyed some churches. The spirit of I'm better than you <laughs> destroys churches. There's no click. You don't need a click. You need Jesus. A Gallup survey stated Christian attendance, church attendance, uh, and, uh, was nearly 70% through 2000 before beginning to decline. 61% in 2010, 47% in 2020. And I can, I can be pre pretty certain that that is down even further today. When Gallup first measured uh, this in, in 20, uh, 1937, 73% were going to church. So for 60 years, it remained the same. Until we became an enlightened society where we don't need God. Your loss is last year's Easter eggs if you don't think you need God. And you need Him. We need Him. I need Him. The church is in decline. You know, I'm so thankful for you all coming in with us. And we had people come and people go. We didn't know what we were going to do. But you see, guys, the point is, is that we're kingdom focused here. I was concerned about the numbers in this church for the first five years. And God told me, you're looking at the wrong thing. Whose life has you changed for God? That's the right thing. Whenever a friend comes to visit, they always talk about how friendly you all are. That's what Christians do. You don't walk by somebody and, and say, well, who are you? You don't go to somebody and say, you're in my seat. Where's your name on it? That aggravates this fire out of me. I mean, this morning somebody took my parking spot. I'm teasing. I don't have a parking spot. I used to park out there. I used to park at the end of the parking lot before my knees went bad. 
I don't need a parking spot. I need some place to park. Don't put me one that says pastor, because I will never park in it. Never. If I'm a servant, I need to far, park, far farther, park farther away. I don't need to be the closest car. Lynn, sometimes she does, but I don't. Oh. That's right. Truth will set you free. You see, most people think it's going to be a BAM apocalypse. It's not. It's going to be a process. It will end in the Great War, Armageddon. But it's going to be a process. People are going to drift away. They are. The great falling away. There's one going on now. There's going to be one in the middle of the tribulation. I believe we're going to be gone before that great falling away. Hmm. We are called to be faithful servants. A faithful servant doesn't say, well, I know he wants me to do this, but i got plans. I'm going to go bowling. Or I'm going skating. or I'm going to the football game. I'm going to go see the grandkids. If God says to do it, say, hey, I'll be over tomorrow. I've got to do this. It's not popular. I believe sometimes there's a difference between popular and right. So what are we, you know, what are we thinking of? I'm just one person, Pastor. I know. We're just a small church. I know. It's time for Christians, not just you all, but all Christians, to be Christ-like. Guys, there's, a, there's an intersection in Nashville where usually there's a long line to go through the red light, and the right lane goes down and turns right on the road called Due West. Invariably, people go down to the very end and they force their way in at the intersection. One day I saw Alpha and Omega Plumbing do that. And they had their phone on the car, on the van. So I called him up. I said, hey, is this Alpha and Omega Plumbing? He sure is. I said, are you on such and such street? He says, I sure am. I said, well, I'm a pastor. I'm about eight cars behind you. How did you show anybody Jesus by run, running to the front and cutting them off? He said, you're right. Sometimes we need to be reminded how to act like a Christian. Guilty. Mm, where is that? It's right in here somewhere. Bear with me. Colossians 3.8 But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Some people say I look like my mother. My brother looks like my father. I'm reflecting their image. The image I want to reflect is the father. Not my father. The father. 
Christ-like. It means you're going out and, and you're telling the world, making disciples. Matthew 8, 28, 19 and 20. Go. Go. And make disciples of all the world. Our evangelism church has no limits except for the limits that we put on them. Because we're afraid to talk about Jesus. We're afraid that we don't know enough to tell somebody. We're, we're afraid of being rejected. He, they're rejecting Jesus, my friends. They're not rejecting you. And if they reject Jesus, you don't need them as your friend. Our evangelism has no strict rules and regulations. It's simply a matter of telling people what you have done, who you are now, and who you want them to be. Jesus changed my life. A friend wrote me a note. I, I wrote to check on him. And he said, he said, man, we're doing good. He said, you'll be glad to know me and the family started going to church. I said, praise God. I said, go and let him change him because you can't. I said, I couldn't. He had to change me. Guys, and, and I know you've heard it in many different ways, and, and I've got a couple of them I like to say it, but being in a church doesn't make you any more of a Christian than being in a garage makes you a mechanic. <laughs> you know, there may be disagreements the way you want to show my father. When I said, you never talk about God, he said, it's private. And I thought, no, it's not, Dad. How will they know if we don't tell them? But if you know Jesus is in your heart, how can you not tell somebody? If you really believe that hell is all that we talk about it being, how can you not tell somebody? If you believe that heaven is what we hope it to be, how can you not tell somebody? Two great commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. We're on the fast train to the end of the age. We're rushing toward the destruction of the world as we know it. We may see it, we may not see it. We may be, we may be part of the great cloud of witnesses when it happens. But church, I can assure you, I can assure you, with all the certainty of my heart, that if we get there and somebody looks you in the eye when they're standing before God and they say, you never told me, it won't be nice. You never told me. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. I know I'm the pastor. I, I, I do it. But I try to work it into every conversation. Every conversation. Sometimes I sit down with other believers and we talk. Uh, there's a man that I talk to about God now. And he used to be a pastor. And, and I don't know what all happened, but he's not, he's not a pastor anymore. And, and uh, I can't condemn him. But I can say I don't want to do that. About a month ago, he went to Las Vegas. Spent a week out there gambling, drinking. Did he drink to be a drunk? I don't know. I didn't ask you. But anytime you lead people away from what God wants you to do, you're against God's will. Let's not be that church. Let's be a different church. Let's pray.
Father, today I thank You again, as every day, for the life that You've given us, for the air that we breathe, for the sun that shines on our face and the rain that waters the earth. Today, Father, I especially thank You, Lord, for knowledge and understanding of, of the events and things to come. I, I pray, Father, for Ben as he ministers to people in the hospital. That, that not his words, but your words flow through his mouth. I pray for our friends that are on vacation this week or not able to join us today. Father, I pray for those suffering uh, in, in infirmity, that your healing hand will be upon them. I pray for those in poverty today, Lord God, in spiritual poverty, that your Holy Spirit will touch their hearts. I pray for the broken today, Lord God. For you are the master craftsman. That you'll put them back together. That they'll, they'll re repent and turn away and find salvation in what Jesus did on the cross. And Father, today as we prepare to, to go, I ask that you have the angels encamped around each person gathered here today. That when we go, we'll go in confidence and surety that as children of God, we are living righteous and holy. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And when it does, when the weapons do come, Father, that we'll have on the full armor prepared for anything that might happen. Lord, in this tabernacle, in this house, we give You all the glory. For You are worthy. You, and you alone are worthy. And we pray for all this in the name of Jesus. And this congregation says... Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here. I hope I might have quelled any concerns about uh, Magog and God.